0: Hey, somebody that certainly knows a lot about physical fitness, as well as the uh, news of the day, is Kara Castronova. She is a former champion boxer. She is a Newsmax contributor. She is a conservative activist and an investigative journalist who has written for a number of publications, including Gateway Pundit. Uh, and believe it or not, she was actually on the Rudy Giuliani show today. And Rudy Giuliani said the same thing yesterday, technically. He said the same thing on the radio that he said to me privately. This was uh, Mayor Rudy Giuliani, America's mayor, talking about Cara Castronova. Thank you for your courage. I mean, you've got – you really belong in in politics nowadays because we need people with courage. And uh, gosh, uh, people should know you're also a boxer, right?
1: Yes, former old oh, boxing champion, two-time
0: world <laughs> boxing champion. Yes. Yeah, you're quite something. They can see you. Tell they can see you on Newsmax, right?
1: It was guys 10 p.m. every Saturday night. Right, it's a great guys, show. I've been
0: on it twice, and it's a great show. Yes. Please enjoy it, and thank you, <laughs> and thank you for the work you're doing for our country. I, I, I admire you very much. Mayor Giuliani does not impress easily, but he was certainly impressed by um, two-time Golden Gloves champion Kara Castronova, someone who was once ranked number two nationally by USA Boxing, and uh, somebody that was one of the head celebrity trainers on season 11 of The Biggest Loser. And uh, we're thrilled that she's agreed to uh, stay up late with us this evening or this morning. Kara, it's great to see you. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm wonderful. So explain to me, Kara, you're very active in politics now. You're running for office now, you're a political commentator, you're a journalist, you're an activist. How do you make that transition from being a boxer and a physical fitness expert to the world of uh, politics?
1: It's uh, that's a good question. Um so It is late. But yes, I'm going to try to explain that. It started with the lockdown, actually. So I was really involved in fitness. And I was a boxer. And I was, like you said, a trainer on The Biggest Loser. And I was working in Hollywood as a celebrity fitness trainer, training celebrities. And, um, you know, I was really involved in that world. And then when the lockdowns happened in New York, you know, all the gyms closed, um, all the parks closed. I remember going to the park and all the there was a padlock on the park. And I was just like, there's something really wrong with this. So That kind of changed my life a couple years ago, and it just completely detoured me. So I never worked in a gym again since then. Um, I started really getting out there being activists. I was one of the first people to do a rally. Uh, actually, I think I might have even been the first to go up to Albany and bring a couple people with me. We were standing outside Governor Cuomo's mansion screaming in megaphones, "Reopen the state. This is unconstitutional. There's no pandemic clause in the Constitution. And, you know, the the movement grew. And it was sort of like, you know, I I found this whole new side of myself that I didn't even know existed, to be honest. And a lot of it just came from the anger and the fury that I felt like, not being able, literally, it all goes go, comes back to a day when I went to go for a jog locally at my par, at a park that I've been going to my entire life, and there was like a padlock on the park, and people were walking around with masks on their face. So for me, I just was like, "Wow!" and it just it just blew my mind. So it started me kind of getting involved in politics, and um, it's just grown since then. I started really getting involved in the anti um mandate movement. When it came to New York State, which is, you know, as you know, was was very special, I guess, in the country. A lot of people don't really know what happens in New York. But there was a lot of mandates, um, you know, for the past, I'd say, year and a half, two years. And um, then, you know, just I got involved with writing for Gateway Pundit. Um, I figured I'd become part of the news because I had a real big problem with the news. And um, I was noticing that there was not really much coverage of stuff that I thought was really important, like, like these rallies I was going to, there was a lot of people there and, you know, reputable news establishments were reporting there's 10 or 20 people at these rallies when in reality, there were 100. So I'm like, you know, somebody needs to be reporting on this stuff. So that's when I really started approaching Gateway Pundit. And, you know, I got on the the Newsmax show just to be able to sort of, Almost it's like an activist turned journalist. I felt like at first I was infiltrating the media um, as an activist. And then I just started really um, just loving working, trying to as hard as I can to tell the truth and, and to cover what I think is important that doesn't get enough coverage.
0: So it, mostly this your activism was all born out of covid and the lockdowns.
1: Yes, 100 uh, percent. I mean, I, I honestly I, I, I used to I mean, I was a registered Democrat for some time, so uh, to an independent. And then when Trump ran for office, I I kind of really was won over by him in 2016. So that's when I really started paying attention to politics. And a lot of my, like, I guess, inner, you know, everybody has, you know, their inner I don't know, I don't want to say inner anger, but I had a lot of anger towards the media, I'd say, and like establishment Hollywood, just from the time I spent there. And um, when he started calling out, to me, that's what drew me to Trump. Everybody has a different reason. But me, when he was calling out the media and he was calling out the establishment and he was really like, I'm like, wow, this guy could say whatever he wants. Like when I was in Hollywood, I was basically like a, a controlled person. You know, I was on a reality show. I was like, you know, I was, to be quite honest, told what to say and what to do and how to act and how to wear my hair and what to dress like. So it was like really liberating to see this person like just literally say whatever they want and no, and there was no repercussions. I'm like, wow, he could say whatever. It was so liberating that that's why I really fell in love with them. And just from there started like, and then now I know who, and a lot of other people, I think understood who who the Speaker of the House is, who the Senators are, how the Congress works, things that we never really understood before, I could honestly say, like, whether you liked him or not, Trump kind of, I think, made everybody sort of understand the way...
0: Politics works. No, 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 uh, so, no doubt about it. I mean, uh, there's a reason 2022 had such uh, such high voter turnout on all sides. Uh, love him or hate right. him, he certainly drove people to uh, to an interest in politics and in, in the electoral pol uh, electoral policies. That's for sure. Talking with Kara uh, Castronova, uh, she actually is a, a candidate for uh, state assembly out in uh, Long Island. We'll talk about that in a minute, Kara. Uh, just to, to go back to your physical fitness background. A lot of people might have had a rough summer uh, in terms of uh, trying to keep the weight off. They're constantly being invited to barbecues. Now that people are able to open up again and have barbecues again, they're uh, drinking too much they're going out to eat too much they're uh they, they put on a few extra pounds over the summer what is like a pro tip that you can give people that not somebody that's going to be a professional boxer or uh be a an, an all-star athlete but somebody that wants to take off that extra 10 or 15 pounds that they've put all uh, put on over the summer what advice can you give somebody
1: I, I would say, like for me, um, I don't work out as much as I was now that I'm running for office. But the way I keep weight off is like I there's certain things you should cut out of your diet and um, not eat. And I really do believe that gluten, like gluten, and whether you're you have celiac disease or you're gluten intolerant, I do think that it really affects your your gut and it affects your metabolism. So I'd say cut out bread and pasta, but eat as much potatoes and rice as you want. Um, you know, just really don't eat sugar and uh. And cut out as much alcohol as possible. And when I follow those simple rules um, mm. and eat as little red meat as possible, honestly, because that also affects, I think, your digestive tract. And I, that's what I do when I keep weight off. Um, but as soon as I start eating pasta, as soon as I start eating bread, and a lot of other people that, that I've trained the same, um, it's weird. It's like if you eat um, rice and and, and uh, potatoes, which don't have gluten in it, uh you, you you don't put on weight. It's it's mm. it's really that really works for me and a lot of people that have been asking me that recently. I like just don't eat pasta and bread, but like you don't have to starve yourself. You can eat potatoes and and uh rice, and that will fill that void. And it seems to keep the weight off.
0: Well, uh, that's certainly good advice. And uh, sometimes it can go into the category of easier said than done. All right, let's talk about some of the issues that are happening in the country. Uh, we we covered this. A bit yesterday, the announcement this week that uh, Dr. Anthony Fauci is going to be leaving at the end of this year, leaving a 40-year, basically almost 40-year career working for the uh, federal government. As far as you're concerned, what's your view of uh, Anthony Fauci's legacy? How do you think history is going to judge him in general? And how do you think history will judge his handling of the COVID pandemic specifically?
1: I mean if history is written the way it should be it should be that he was a he was a criminal and that he you know I, I, this is just my opinion i don't know I don't think he will, he did a good job with COVID. Um, there was a lot of lies that were told. There was a lot of misinformation that he gave the country. There was a lot of arbitrary rules that he put out there that caused a lot of uh, — for the most part, for me, the part that I have the most anger towards is it divided families. Um, I haven't spoken to family members in two years because of COVID, because of these very arbitrary — what I feel were arbitrary — instructions given by Dr. Fauci and his team. To the United States and to the people. Um, I have some family members, I'm doing a fundraiser for my uh, campaign next week who I haven't seen in two years who aren't coming. Um, they don't want to be around quote-unquote unvaccinated or unvaccinated people. And this is like now the CDC is saying that vaccinated should be treated the same as unvaxed So I'll never forgive Dr. Fauci, or I don't even want to call him a doctor because I think he's an opportunistic businessman. Um, for breaking up my family. Like I said, I have 20 Mm. relatives on my mother's side of my family that my mother passed away a long time ago, so that was really my only connection to her that I haven't seen because they are so terrified by what I believe was complete fear mongering on the part of him. And um, anybody associated with him that completely tore families apart, uh, took away the traditions of Christmas, birthdays and and holidays that really, you know, keeps the family unit, I think, in the United States. And I think that that will be his legacy, that he literally ripped families apart. And I don't think that could be repaired anytime soon. Mm.
0: Um, it, It does appear that at least as of now, Philadelphia is going to be having their students wear masks for the first two weeks of schools. The parents... In Philadelphia are up in arms. They're asking the school board there to make it optional. It looks like there's such an outcry that they may have to make it optional. What's your take on what a city like Philadelphia is doing in terms of mandating masks for public school students for the first two weeks of the school year?
1: um you know i'm i'm pretty pretty extreme on that i think it's child abuse. um i don't believe in i mean it's the, the cdc has literally said and and vouchy that masks don't work and then they said they worked and then they didn't but you could look on the box of the mask and see that it doesn't work it's again it's arbitrary it's control i don't understand why they keep making up these mask rules they they simply don't work so um i think it's political i don't know why uh they're they're still going on with these masks uh it's just just for me it's just a way to keep dividing and distracting and you know, distracting the people from the real issues that's going on in the country. So, I I mean, again, like, if if I was a parent in Philadelphia, I would not be happy with that.
0: Uh, And uh, we're talking with Kara Castronova. You can see her every Saturday night at 10 p.m. Eastern on the uh, Newsmax TV show Wise Guys with my friend John Tobacco. Rudy Giuliani says that's his favorite show, and uh, (laughs) he says it's the most intelligent show on television. Certainly, I think, one of the most fun Shows on uh, on television, no doubt about it. Hey, uh, I know uh, you have written for Gateway Pundit about uh, a guest that we've had on this show, my friend Sal Greco, who I also ran into uh, last night. This is a police officer in New York City that's been fired. In part, because of his association with folks like Roger Stone and Kristen Davis, what has your research shown about the situation involving the firing of uh police officer Sal Greco? Do you think he got a raw deal?
1: He did get a raw deal. I was surprised. I really was. I thought they were going to suspend him or something like that, just considering the fact that um you know it's not it's not equal because Mayor Adams actually you know what they got him for was that they said he was quote unquote uh, Associating with a felon, which is Roger Stone, who, by the way, was pardoned by Trump. So you have to consider that. But Mayor Adams was also, um, you know, in the entourage of Mike Tyson, who was also a convicted felon. So just considering that, I didn't think they would go so far as to fire him. You know, I was at his trial in New York City, his police trial, and uh, the evidence they were, in my opinion, that they were showing really didn't show that he did much just besides hanging around uh, Roger, and they were trying to really just throw him under the bus. Uh, so it's guilt by association. And I think it just comes back to demonizing anybody that was out there on January 6th and, and president Trump. And it's sad because the, pa- the, the, the pendulum swings politically and, you know, the left is not going to like it if this is used against them one day and these same tactics are used against them. And I wouldn't want them to be because that's just not America. Mm. You know, anybody that's politically persecuted, I started an organization called Citizens Against Political Persecution. And if this was happening to someone on the left, I would be equally as outraged because I know just how fast that it could be used against me if I accept it being used against someone that I perceive to be my quote unquote enemy.
0: Yeah, no, uh, that is uh, that's a great point. Um You've been very active in researching the uh, the January 6th situation and uh, some of the people that are still incarcerated for their role in, um, in January 6th. Now, y- you've referred to some of the folks that are uh, still awaiting trial and awaiting sentencing, some of the people that might have already been to trial and uh, dealt with some pretty stiff sentences as political prisoners. Now, mm-hmm. some people may look at... These folks that were, you know, involved in storming the Capitol on January 6th and say, look, you know, these people were rioters or trespassers. They had no business being there. And even though I might agree with them politically and I I might agree with the candidate that they voted for, they shouldn't have been rioting. They shouldn't have been trespassing. Why shouldn't we deal with these people harshly to send a message Mm -hmm. to the next person that wants to participate in a riot or trespass on the Capitol?
1: Right. Well, first of all, there was a lot of rioting and uh and whatever um, stuff like that going on for years now. There's been political protests, everything with. And, and I'm again, I'm not I'm not the type that points fingers like, oh look what happened with George Floyd. I hate to do that, but sometimes it's necessary. It's not equal uh, justice under the law. And the fact of the matter is, like yes, persecute people, uh, prosecute people when they commit crimes fairly. But when people are trespassing, don't put them in jail. Like the majority of these men. There's about 100 people in jail right now since January 6th, pre-trial, who a lot of them could possibly be found innocent or be found guilty of disorderly conduct, which doesn't even include jail time. So I know people in jail right now that have never um, even been tried yet, and their trials might not even come until 2023. So that's two and a half years of of pre-trial which is unconstitutional in this country, um, for, for the charges like, uh, it's, uh, obstruction of justice, which is a ridiculous charge for somebody that's at the protest and should, should raise a red flag for anybody, because if you're at a protest Usually when people go to protest, they're protesting the government, they're protesting a government proceeding. A lot of the anti-vaccine rallies that I've been to will actually go to the legislative body that's, that's deciding on something having to do with the vaccine mandate and we will go outside and we will protest. That's what the nature of political protests are. You go to the building where the decision is being made. So the precedent that this is setting is that if you go to a governmental building and go to a protest, there's a chance that you could be charged with obstruction of justice, which which is a 20-year penalty maximum. Um, and a lot of these guys are being thrown in the book, which it, being charged with obstruction of justice. Some of them never haven't even been inside the Capitol, never went in the Capitol.
0: Well, yeah, no, it's uh, it's certainly uh, I know something you've been working towards and very passionate about. Now, Wednesday, you've got this big event in uh, Long Island from 6 to 8 p.m. at uh, King Umberto's Restaurant in Elmont. Uh, It's a fundraiser. I know Mayor Rudy Giuliani is going to be there. I know the uh, Nassau County Executive uh, Bruce Blakeman is going to be there. If people want more information, they can go to Cara, C-A-R-A the number four assembly dot com that's Kara for assembly dot com and uh, this is a very competitive assembly race it's actually one of the few seats that the Republicans have a genuine chance of uh, of picking up this year and uh, it's certainly going to be very interesting how is the how is your uh, assembly race looking so far cara it's
1: I mean, I think I'm popular um I grew up in this neighborhood and I lived here my whole on and off my whole life. I know everybody here and, and the more I'm I'm walking around getting you know, going to businesses and going into house knocking on people's doors, the more I'm realizing, Oh my god, I know this person by extension, I know this person's friend's friend, I know this person's cousin. So you realize how many people you actually know in, in your own area. And it's I'm very um I'll be held accountable because if I'm going to be representing this area, you know, I live in this area and I come home from Albany and people are going to be like, what are you doing if I do something wrong? So I like that uh, element of running for local government where you're held accountable by your actual neighbors. But um, it, it's a, it's going to be a tight race. Um, You know, the closer you are to Queens, uh, the more, I guess, purple and blue it gets. Uh, the further out you go in Long Island, the more red it is. I live on the borderline of Queens. Mm-hmm. And I'm running against an incumbent who's been in there for, for five terms. And she, um, you know, she's not the most popular person, but she's not, I wouldn't call her unpopular. She just has the name recognition because she's been here for a long time. She hasn't, in my opinion, and I don't like to talk bad, and I'm not saying she's done anything horrible. I mean, she's vote. I think her voting record is terrible when it, she votes with the, um, with a lot of the get for a lot of the laws that, that have happened in New York that I don't believe in, but um, other than that, I don't think she's a horrible person. I just think that um, she hasn't done enough for the community, and I think I could do a much better job because I live here and I really actually care about the community. Um, and it's, I think it's going to be a tight race. Uh, so you know, I have like you mentioned, I have this fundraiser on Wednesday. Um, people could come. I have people coming from out of state. Actually, um, I actually have Ashley Babbitt's mother coming from from. Oh, Texas. really yeah so she's she's become a friend of mine um, just through the work that I've done with the political prisoners and with January sixth so I have some interesting people there and um it's it's like you said Wednesday from six to eight, and you can find out more about that and people and I've said to people if they want to sponsor a ticket because I have a lot of friends and we were just at a rally today in New York City, we're still doing the medical freedom rallies um, there's still a lot of mandates in New York City firefighters teachers um Cops still haven't gotten their jobs back. A lot of people were fired because they didn't want to take the shot and they're, they're not working. So I, a lot of these people are my friends and I, you know, I send them my flyer. It's $150 to come to the fundraiser. Right. I feel bad. And some of them are like, Harry, you know, I'm not working. And I'm like, oh, so I, you know, I put out a um, an article in Gateway Pundit that if anyone wants to donate for a ticket, so some some of the, you know, so they can come to the fundraiser and a lot of people have donated. So um so there'll be some really great medical freedom people there and if p- other people want to donate please just go to caris the a r a 4 Assembly.com, and then you can see where my fundraising information is because, you know, I I hate fundraising for myself. I fundraise for other people. I raised over $2 million for the political prisoners of January 6th, but really it's expensive to run for office. We have to send out mailers. We have to make flyers. We have to put these lawn funds on. We have to just It's an an insane amount of work. It's an insane amount of grassroots work, and it costs money. So, so, Karen, lastly, lastly,
0: and then I I do have to run, but since you bring up the the January 6th folks uh, again – a lot of the proponents of bail reform make the same argument about people who are incarcerated at Rikers awaiting, uh, awaiting trial and can't make bail and are stuck there. Has your advocacy for the January 6th folks given you maybe a new appreciation for uh, yeah. those that are advocating for not making uh, people stay, stay at Rikers because they can't afford to make bail?
1: Right. It's it's changed me in a lot of ways. It really has. And it's, it's only just begun for me. Like, I started this advocacy group a year and a half, and I've, I have a completely different viewpoint of the criminal justice system. That's the honest to God's truth. I've been in and I've watched prosecutors and i watch watched how they work. Um, I've, I've read a lot of statements of facts, a lot of uh, documents. Uh, so, yeah, my I'm, I'm I'm morphing and I'm changing when it comes to criminal justice and realizing that, you know, the system does need to be changed in a lot of ways. And, you know, it's just a, a matter of time before I start, you know, looking into and investigating stuff that goes on here in the state with the criminal justice system. I'm not going to say that I'm the most versed on it, but I will be because I'm mm. running for assembly and it's something that I'm really looking into. Right. But I could definitely say that. my I've, I've, it's, I'm I've a changed person ever since I learned about uh, January 6th and the political persecution. Right. And and I do think that what you said, you know, about Rikers Island, yes, it's something that, that you it's a fair question is something that I would definitely. All would right, Kara,
0: wishing you the best of luck. And again, uh, her fundraiser is Wednesday in uh, New York, um, Nassau County, uh, 6 to 8 p.m. Mayor Rudy Giuliani is going to be there. Bruce Blakeman is going to be there. A number of other bold faced names are going to be on yeah. hand as well.
1: And follow me on Twitter, Frank, and, and extra followers, you too.
0: There you go. kara 4 if you want to learn more. Kara, thanks for up, staying up late. We'll talk soon. Thanks so much, Frank. Thank you. Be Have sure to give my night. friend Thank John Tobacco so a, uh, a tough time. Uh, and uh, I know John will think twice about crossing a boxer, a champion boxer. 800-848-9222 if you want to comment. That's 800-848-9222. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight. midnight.